Shalom Aleichem. Welcome everybody to Tuesdays with Taira. While our shul's getting a little facelift, we're here. And thanks everyone for coming. Thanks uh, Yehuda, Yehuda Erba for uh, partially sponsoring tonight's shir. Thank you very much. B'schus of who? Ahuva Merla. Ahuva Merla. Bas Esther Falcon. Bas Esther Falcon. For Fushlema. Fushlema B'sech Shara Chole Yisrael. Shehavar Fushlema. And uh, yeah, Shkayach, Shkayach, thank you very much. Okay, so it's uh, everybody's ready. We're, um, we spoke about last week. Did anyone remember what we spoke about? That's all very good. Okay, so this week, right, we're upgrading, we're here in our house. Um, so this week, exactly, implementation. So, um you got to give a thanks to my wife for letting us uh, come here while we're, the shul's uh, being uh, facelifted. Um, okay, so thank you very much. Yes, she should be zeicha for all the Torah. And um, she should sinachas from all of us. Okay, so we're up to the Peleites is talking about... We're up to chapter, I think it's chapter Chaf. We're talking about now Aina. Does anyone know what Aina is? Aina... That's also, I know, it's interesting. I was thinking about it today in the driving. Why, it's int- why we have the same Lushan of I know. I know is devar- there's two. I know, I know, but it's, it's, it's very similar to I know the, um, what you have to give your, your wife, what your mechuyiv to give her, which is also like a pleasure. It's similar wording. So, honor also. Oh, it's honor. Um, what, what does that have to do with it? Well, maybe we'll come to some. Some conclusion. But anyway, Aina means, Aina, there's two ways, there's two issues of Aina. There's Aina Mamon and Aina's Dvarim. And Aina's Mamon is, when we're going to talk about both tonight. Aina's Mamon is when you try, there's a few things. I didn't know what, I, I just thought Aina was just tra- overcharging. But actually, <coughs> not shooting, no, that's not Aina. Um, Aina is as follows. So you have a product. And you're allowed to charge market, market rate. Even if you pay 20 cents for the item, you're allowed to charge whatever the market is going. Right? You have, let's say, you're, you're a uh, photographer, let's say, right? And you want to charge for your services, whatever. There's no, first of all, there's no, even no market because the better you are, the, 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 the higher price you get. And, the, and nobody asks them to use you. So I'm not even sure there is a no with that, with the market. There is a market. But a tangible item, right. A tangible item you have, um, but even a tangible item, is there some higher price things and some lower price things? So you're allowed to charge market and up to one-fifth over market value. So that's basically 20% over market value. Not, not your profit. Your profit is whatever the market is. But you want to charge it over. So what would be if during Corona you're charging you know, $5 for a mask? You know, is that ripping people off? That's the market. That's Correct, that's the market. That's not, that's, you know, listen, you, you paid 50 cents for it, right? But you're, you're paying, that's, that is okay, because that, that, what is the market in? Um, however, however, the situation is, the guy is running on a plane, okay? 
You're 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 on on the on the walkway to the plane, right? And the and there's a guy in front of you. It's a great scenario. I just thought of this. This is amazing. Um, and it has a guy in front of you and or girl, whatever. And they say, you you got to get okay, you need a mask to get onto the plane. She says, I don't have. Do you have? They said, No, we don't have. But we turn around and come back where you come from because we need a mask to get you get on the plane. And um, you're a Jew standing behind, <laughs> and you say, "Man, lady, whatever, you need a mask." Yeah, I, I actually sell masks, you know. Um, and here I have a nice uh, mask for you. It even has uh, sequins on it, and it's uh, 150 bucks. 150 bucks? Are you crazy? <laughs> I, I, those are, those are fifteen, twenty dollars on the street corner. The ten dollars, you know, twenty-five dollars in in Macy's, and you say, ah, my price is one fifty, you know. So she's got to get it. She wants. She has to get on the plane. She doesn't want to lose this plane ride. That's a classic example of a nervous moment. That you're charging above, above the market value. Yeah, you're allowed to charge thirty, thirty-five dollars. I don't know. Do the math, anyone? <laughs> Right? What's a fifth? Uh, over 25, 30, whatever. Yeah, but you can't charge more. You can't take advantage and charge, rip them, or charge $150 or, or water in the desert, whatever, whatever it is. So uh, that's a no, no. So it's interesting. Why is a no? I was thinking about why a no is, is linked. It's a momentous thing. It's a monetary thing. Why is it linked to making somebody feel bad? So I was thinking, and I think this is a shot, right? In other words, you say gazelle, say um, say uh, honesty. Why is it linked together with the same thing of, of I know making it's making it hurtful? It's not so hurt. The answer is, I think, is that when somebody gets ripped off like that, right? You feel I don't know if any of you had that feeling of like I was really taken advantage. You feel besides the money, I lost a hundred bucks, right? But you feel so disgusted. Yes or no, Yehuda? You feel like I was taking advantage. I needed something badly. The person had it. I could have sold it and made a decent profit, but they had to sell it to me for a hundred. to make an extra, like rip me off because I was down on the floor. So it's an added thing. And indeed, the Palioid says is that there's an added iser from stealing. Stealing. There is stealing, by the way. That's also part of stealing. But besides that, it's leisainu. Don't panic. Don't hurt. Don't because of that feeling. Because it must be that 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 terrible. Ochi feeling. Can't explain well, it any other way. Even if he doesn't know. So if he doesn't know, uh, still, uh, it's, if a person doesn't know, yeah, Tari says not to do it. The person doesn't know that, uh, you know, one day he'll know and he'll feel even worse. You know, like, I, I, I was such a fool, I didn't even know. Um, and he says as follows. He says, the Peleoid says, it's a very, very bad thing, and what's going to happen is the wheel of fortune, this is, will stop anybody from doing this. The wheel of fortune will eventually, if you, that's how you make your money, the wheel will start turning and you're going to lose your money and things are going to change for the worst. So he says not only that, doing that is going to cause the world to fall apart. And it, you, we don't even have to say that it also is including um, mixing good and bad, you know, um, or, or changing products. You know, specify when somebody specifies a product and giving a VE, a uh, value engineered product that's really inferior. Or if you think, yeah, it's the same thing, you know, one's 
made in Italy, made in China, just same countries. What's the big deal, you know? Come on, what's the? What do you have anything against China? That's uh, that, that's prejudiced, you know. But that's that's obviously we don't have to say that. He, you know, he slips it in. It looks exactly the same. Here you want a you want a nice uh, a, a, a Cartier watch. It's the real thing, you know. Made in China. It will last about three three and a half days. Um, I don't know how they make it. They make it that it lasts. There's a time limit. I think. The, <laughs> I, like I think a, six months is the is the most it lasts. Like yeah. Okay, that's that. We don't have to say. He says that. Of course, that's outright. But those are the things he says that. Oh, and, and the switch and bait. He, he brings them. This is the Pelagia. Yeah, he's twenty two hundred and 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 twenty five thirty years ago. Like they did. They did the same thing. Like, come on. This is you know a guy opens the store, thinks he's so smart. He does all these tricks. They, hey, buddy, they did the same tricks three hundred years ago. You know, you're not such a brilliant guy. He says switch and bait. You know, switch and bait is. They advertise that uh, product, you know, uh, at really cheap, probably below cost. And you come in and you say, oh, no, no, that's not good because it, it, it's, it's not going to be good for you. you. You don't need that. But here, I have something that's much better. And, you know, you try to get them. So you get them in and you, you, you bait them and you switch it. So that, he says, is not allowed. I, didn't, I thought that that was... Oh, and he says, very interesting, you're not allowed to lie about how much you paid for something, which is such standard practice. They tell you, what are you talking about? I paid $100 for it. I'm selling to you for $110. i am making $10, $10 off this, right? So person doesn't, hey, you know, I'm getting it really close to wholesale. It's, uh, so, you know, not allowed to do that. Now, perhaps I was thinking about this because this, we do this all the time, you know, like it's standard. So could you say, uh, I'm, I'm paying, well, I'm selling it close to cost. So perhaps that's allowed. Right, selling close to cost because close is a relative uh, word. You're not saying you're not saying oh, I paid, perhaps, but better not to. Better you just say you know be be classy. You know a real classy store. They don't have to t- they don't have to bait you. They say you want this you want this uh, you know this item this Ferragamo uh, coat this moose I forget it moose knuckle coat. Let's let's talk to the item. Okay, you want this moose knuckle coat. Here, it's going to cost you a thousand bucks, and like there's nothing to talk about. But um, and and people buy it. You do very well. They're not they're not telling you how much they paid for it, or you know. So that is very important. And he says that if you don't, not only is your fortune can change, but chasushon, but it causes the whole world. Again, this is part of gezel, causes the whole world to um, uh, come apart. And we know that when a person comes at the Shmayim, the first question, one of the questions that they're going to ask him is, is Nasasta Vinasata Ba'amuna, did you deal, do your business dealings with uh, faith, faith, honesty? And the truth is, is that this is part of the things that shows, besides for not doing honestly, it shows Hashem that you don't believe, you don't have faith in Him, that He could, he could make your business run good, that you can have a good parnasa. Because you've got to resort to things that he tells you not to do. So it shows Hashem, I don't trust you. So that's, a, that's also a very bad thing. And it takes away from you. B'tachin and Hashem. And it's going to, Peliyad says, it's going to impede your parnasa. So we don't want to do that. Also, this is one of the things that can tell, you can tell the characteristics of a person. The Gemara says, how do you tell a person? Anyone know? With three things. What three things can you tell a person? Chaim, I know you know. 
What? Glasses, shoes, and belt. Glasses, shoes, and belt? No, the, the characteristics of a person. How much they weigh, how short they are. <laughs> how tall. <laughs> we, don't, we look at, you know, us short people, we look at how tall we, you know, we don't. Kisai, Bikasai, Ubukaisai. Okay? Kisai is your pocket, like how, either, like how they're dealing with business. Kasai is if they get angry. Kasai, the angry. And because is what they do when they drink. How do you act? Right? Most of us, when we act, when we drink something perm, of course, only perm, we, we drink overdrink, over you know? But, uh, you know, it's even in that. We, we, we drink something, and instead of by Yidin, most Yidin, there's just hugging and kissing and, and love and, and, and nice things. But by, you look at other parties, you go to parties, there's anger, there's... There's fights, there's brawls, you know. That's that's how, that's how you tell a person. So one of the things is, you, but, but, but uh, Kisai with his, how is he dealing with his business? How is he dealing with his money? Okay, so let's move on to. Um, so obviously, if the opposite is true, always. By the way, if you're careful with this, and, and it's always kaflaim. Whenever, whenever the Torah says, if you do this, you're going to be punished with this and this. It's always 500 times more you're going to be blessed if you, if you don't do it. If you take away, next time you want to say a deal, and you say, I paid for this uh, so-and-so, right? And you stop, and you don't say it, then you're blessed much more with your panasa than if you, wouldn't have, if you would have said it. So it's, 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 worth, it's well worth to follow these things. Okay, now he's going to move on to Anaz Dvarim, which is... Actually, he says, Peliyot says, this is even more severe than ripping somebody off. In other words, a guy comes into the store and he doesn't want to buy it because of whatever this, and you curse him out or make him feel really bad. That's worse than overcharging him. Not better to overcharge him, but, you know, when you, you know, tell him, make, like some people do that. But it's not only in the store, it's anywhere. He says um, that... Sometimes there's very, very difficult people and it's a very, very hard thing to do. And we have to be extra careful not to harm them. But um, the, uh, the Chazal say we have to work on ourselves not to make anybody feel bad. And we find it in this week's parsha with Parai. Medrash says that when the Rabbani Shalom told him to go to Parai, now who's Parai? Some little midget, I, I mean, I can't tell him from, you know, that, that he was, he was an Amma short, his beard was an Amma, he was a strange looking fellow. He, he, he was an Amma tall, and he was the son of the, the other pirate, and he was, I think, um, he was, um, he, Pari, the last party had three sons. One of them was a really bad, you know, guy who just drank and drunk all day. Another one didn't want kingdom. And then there was this little guy who looked very strange, but he wanted to be king. He was an Amma tall, and he had, his beard was an Amma, and he had a short... You're talking about how tall you are? He had this short syndrome thing, so he wore a hat that was an Amma tall. Can you imagine? Not platform shoes, a hat. And now this is the measure. So he looked very strange. But anyway, and, and, and he, Moshe, come on, if we would have gone to him, we would have had a field day. Right? Come on, the jokes that we could have said to him. Um, but the, especially during, you know, Marcus Choshe uh, when he couldn't move, or you know when we had him where we needed him, you know, so we could have said all these things. But the, the measure says that the Rebbeinu Shalom told uh, Moshe, talk to him with respect. Don't, 
Don't jeer at him, what it happened, or this, whatever it is, he talked to him with respect. You see that even a parry is somebody that demands respect. Of course, our friends who are holy, our, our relatives, our, our spouses, our, are just, even, even our children, that are, they, they, they need respect, and they're supposed to be talked to without anything um, that can possibly hurt, and especially jokes uh, can hurt. We all say, yeah, it's just a joke. And when people say, oh, they're so sensitive. Oh, I'm so, so sorry. They're so sensitive. It's always very nice to blame the other person they're sensitive. But we're all sensitive. Let's be honest with ourselves. And when jokes are directed at us, it's very easy to direct at other people. But when they're directed at us, they hurt. And it's, uh, you have to be very, very careful not, not to hurt somebody. And especially not a spouse. And they say, he says that, when a spouse is hurt and a spouse cries, um, it's a very, very terrible thing. And he says that the cries go up as somebody who's sort of on like a lower level and, and is hurt. The cries go up to Hashem and severe damage can come from that. So now if you ask this wife, the wife so she, she had a fight, right? And there was a fight and words were said back and forth. And... He said something mean, and, and she cried. And then the next day, the guy drops dead. Like, if you would ask the wife, the wife would say, what, what are you talking about? We had, a, we had a little fight, so I cried. You know, why? why of course I would never want him. I, I, I'm more sad, I'll be sad my whole life that, he's, that he was punished. It doesn't matter. That's how it works. Even if she would never want him to be hurt. She, she, she cried because she's cried. We still, he says, you have to be very, very careful because when... When, when, when I, somebody cries out who's, who's pining, somebody who's hurt cries out to Hashem. So even if she doesn't want that, you have to be very, very careful. So there's a story I heard from um, Rabbi Mansour, Eli Mansour. And he says a story as follows, that there was once a husband and wife that you know, were very at, at odds with each other. And... Um, he didn't say Sephardi or anything like that, but it could be for anything. He said, no, because he's, he's a Sephardi rabbi, so he had... But, but he, uh, he said they came to him, and, um, or he said the story, I don't know if they came. He said that the guy was very, very mean to her, and he always said everything mean, and, she, and they asked what to do. So the rabbi told her, don't do anything, because you, what do you want to do? You want to get a, do you want to get a divorce? What, you think it's going to be so much better? So you have a guy that, that, that makes fun, and, and if you could handle it, it's much better to be married in this situation than not. I'm not, I'm not saying whether it's true or not, I'm, I'm just telling you the story. So he says, I haven't, so she says, what should I do? It, drives, it, it hurts me so much. He says, <clears throat> every time you uh, are get hurt, and don't answer back. <clears throat> it's a big schut not to answer back. What I want you to do is, Go upstairs to your closet, to your room, close the door, get a plank of wood, and take a nail. Every time he, he, he insults you and you don't say it, and bang that nail into the plank of wood. So she started doing that, and she felt a little... She released her, her tension on that nail. She banged that nail. She saw that nail in, and she knows she didn't say anything. She took it out in the wood. After a while, um, the husband used to see said something, and she runs upstairs, and... He followed her, he's banging in the closet, and he says, well, what's going on with this banging wood? And she didn't know, nah, no, nothing, nothing. No, no, I want to know. He's 
doing more, all of a sudden she goes back in and banging wood. And she says, what's going on? She told him, the rabbi told me, every time you're mean to me, I should, um, I should take the plank of wood, I should take it out, I don't answer you. I just take it, but I, I, I need to, to release somehow. So I bang the nail into the wood. She says, let me see the, the wood. He sees a plank, big plank of wood full of nails. There wasn't much room for any more nails. He goes, it's a good thing I caught it now. He says, how long was this? Uh, you know, two years? She says, oh, no, no, about two weeks. <laughs> he goes, two weeks? You just started two weeks ago? And every- so he got a reality check, and he saw, wow, I say so many things in two weeks. The whole plank is full of nails, and she doesn't say anything. And he took some deep thinking, and he says, you know something? Um, I, I'm, I'm, I realize, I, I never realized how mean, mean I could be and, and how terrible I am. I have an idea. I, I want to change, and I don't want to say these things. But what I want to do is, I want to make a deal with you. I want to I make a deal that every time I compliment you, you should go the other way around also. Every time I compliment you, and I don't say anything, and I compliment you, you should pull a nail out. She says, okay, great. She was static. And he did that. He worked very hard. Sometimes he screamed, bang, bang, bang. Um, and she, you know, but he worked on himself, and he started slowly giving her compliments, changed the whole, the whole situation. However, at the end of like a, a month, he says, did I get the nails out? She says, not yet, no. Okay, two months, did I get the nails out? No. Finally, three months later, she says, yeah, honey, you got the nails out. He's, let me see it. So he comes up to the room, and he looks at the plank, and he looks in her, and he sees there's no nails, but it's full of holes. And he's, the rabbi says the moral of the story is, is that, yeah, she pulled it out. She pulled everything out. But the holes are there. When you hurt somebody, yeah, you can, you can make it better. You could say, I'm sorry. You can make compliments. But that will always, the person will always remember, right? Do we always remember what that rabbi said to us? I do. Or a friend said, you know, that hurtful thing. We remember it. You know, it's, it's there. It stays there. So why, even if you do better and you're gonna, the nail's going to come out, there is always going to be that, that, um, that, that hole in there. So we have to be very careful. Um, Rav, um, Rav Usher Makovsky, I don't know if I remember exactly his name, he said from Rav Arnle Steinman that um, most punishments, he says, Rav Arnle could say this, I, I, I don't know anyone who could say this, but most punishments are come to people because somebody else hurt somebody else. So it's a very, very um, severe thing. There was once a, a uh, gadol that was a guy wrote, wrote a safer, fellow wrote a safer, he got a skamas, and then people found out that he said some pretty shaky stuff in the safer. So the gadolim pulled their skama, right? Uh, skama, approbation, um, at the beginning of the book, that this guy knows he's right, he's, he's writing very nice things. But then, so this fellow, so they saw things which were shaky, whatever, maybe he wasn't talking so clean, or I don't know what it was, but they felt that, no, they made a mistake, and they wrote letters that they pulled their haskamas away. One rabbi did not. So they came to him, and they said, God, oh, how come, how, do you agree with what he wrote in the Sefer, these things? He said, no. 
Um, he says, yeah, but he wrote this and this. We'll show you in the Sefer. He wrote like this. He wrote, uh, he wrote this word and that word and that not nice thing. Do you agree with that? He goes, no. He says, let me ask, so, so why didn't you write a letter? He says, let me ask you something. I, I don't think it's right what he wrote, but what, would you say that he's of Misa? He said, no, no, of course not, but he's not, he doesn't get a, uh, he shouldn't get a, uh, a Haskama from a Gadol. They said, you know something? You're right. However, I gave the Haskama already. And every Gadol pulled his Haskama. Now, if he would have every single Haskama pulled from him, that's worse than Misa. Right? right? It's Mavayish because you like, it's like you kill him. She says, if I'm going to be the one that's the last one that's going to pull it away, it's not worth it. He's not Mokhayv Misa. So I'm not pulling, my Eskama stands, you see how far it goes. My Eskama stands, and he's not Chayv Misa. Amazing. So um, not only, he says, not only does it go with um, what you say, what you, what you say, you should be very careful, but sometimes we have to be extra careful what we don't say. Right? That there's so many things that we should say to people, and we don't. Because why? We're too tired. We don't think they really deserve it. It's not worth it. He says, so, if somebody's expecting you to say something, he says, it's a big chiddush. He says, then you really, you really have to say it. You really are mechuyiv to give them that courtesy of saying good job, nice things. By you saying not good job, to a worker or to, to somebody else or to, that you're watching, then it, it feels, he feels bad for me. So he says a story with the Ger Rebbe. The Ger Rebbe was sitting by something called, any Ger Hasidim here? No. Okay. Um, <coughs> oh, right. Oh, close, right. Okay. Um, no, I know if you take off that baseball cap, that pace will be falling out. Oh, I know, I know that. I know that, Akiva. Um, but, um, and the best is Akiva, the socks that you wear. That, that would be great in the Gerish Tivo. You know, when you pull the pants up and you have the sock. The Gerish Rebbe <laughs> uh, said as follows. He said, here's a story. They used to have a L'chaim Tish. You know what L'chaim Tish is? They come to, to the Tish. Shabbos. Shabbos and what? Really Everyone gives a, gives a L'chaim. L'chaim to the Rebbe. They all, and they call up people to give a L'chaim. So they had a minig. It was in Eretz Yisrael. They used to call up people. Um, Yanko Schwartz, come up and, and, and be mechabed and, and say, uh, say l'chaim. Picked up his bromfin. I think the Gerach were into um, bourbon or um, vodka. So, took the vodka, made a bracha, l'chaim, gave l'chaim to the rabbi, and it was, that was the thing. It was a kibbutz. But they used to call up, the, the minig was, they used to call up by the name, not, not by the title. You know, maybe they said Reb, you know, Reb Yankel, you know, Reb Chaim, Fisher, you know, come up and say, not, not who, uh, Rebbe of, uh, you know, so, such of, of half, they're not going to say that. that. That's how they did it. That was the meaning. Anyway, there was one fellow that came one night to the Tish, uh, Friday night, and he was a Litvish fellow that did not come often to the Tish. We, we always do that. I don't know if you ever hang around. It's, it's a good chill. And we're lucky, by the way, us Litvish people, because we're, or Heimish, whatever we call ourselves, uh, because we can go to anyone, and we feel very comfortable. I do, at least, right? 
You know, and but it's interesting. A satmer chassid can't necessarily go to certain place to Lubavitch, or you know. So we're uh, we're really really it's it's great. It's a nice nice feeling. They're restricted. They can't go to certain places. It doesn't match so well. Anyway, this Lezrusha guy came and happened to be he was a newly appointed young young man, but he was newly appointed Rosh Hashiva of a yeshiva somewhere in Yushalayim. And he comes to the Tish that night, and he, um, and they call up, uh, you know, Rabbi Yankel Stern, come up and say Lachayim. And he comes up, he gives a Lachayim, and he goes away. After the Tish, at night, the Rebbe calls over the Gabbai, and he tells the Gabbai, you know, I think that Yankel, that Yankel Stern, that Rabbi Yankel Stern that we called up, I think he feels bad that we didn't call him Rosh Hashiva, Rosh Hashiva, Ram, whatever you call Rosh Hashiva. We didn't call him by, we didn't tell him. So the, the Gabbai says, what are you talking about? We don't call anybody. <laughs> we, called, we called your son who was Rosh Hashiva, and, and we, didn't, we called him, uh, you know, Rabbi Chil. We didn't call him Rosh Hashiva. We don't give titles. He said, I know we don't give titles, but he might not know that because he doesn't come often. He, he stopped in. He says, but he saw tonight there's no title. Okay, he might have thought there's no Rosh Hashivas, and he was the only Rosh Hashiva, and he didn't get a title. He says, ah, whatever, he walked away. Meanwhile, there was a chassid, one of the chassidim were, were standing listening, so the rabbi says, do me a favor. The, the Gabbai uh, didn't want to, but I want you to do me a favor. I think he, I, I know he felt bad, so if you, I know where he lives. He lives on, on top of that, uh, that apartment on uh, Shamgar. I want you to please go up to his house, Knock on the door. Tell him the Rebbe felt very bad. We felt very bad that we didn't call you. We don't do it here. But it, we, we didn't want to be mechilas kfoidcha. Please accept an apology. So he says, Rebbe, it's, it's 11.30 at night, Friday night. The tired, people are tired. It was after the tish. He's probably going to be sleeping. He goes, no. I know he's not sleeping. Says, okay, the Rebbe says, you know. The Rebbe says to go, you go. He went. He climbed the steps. He knocked on the door. He opened, opened the door. And he's told her, he, the guy says, yes. He says, yeah, you were by the tish tonight? Yes, I have a message from the Rebbe. I, I, the Rebbe says, in case you were hurt that we didn't call you up by your title, it's something we don't do. And it's, we feel very, the Rebbe feels very bad. He apologizes, but uh, this is how, how it's done. It's nothing. Don't, you shouldn't feel bad. And the guy's face lit up. And he was like, wow. You saw that he was up at night. He was, it was bothering him, you know, like, like, because, because like a real, I, I don't want to, I have to put in my own two cents, I don't know why, but, uh, you know, a real, a real partial person doesn't need the covet, you know, they, they're, uh, you know, they're, you know, Moshe needed to have somebody to say it, they don't need it, but, you know, somebody who's young and, and, and is looking, they, they need it, it's important to them. So he comes back to Shtibel, the Rebbe was still learning, he says, Rebbe, you have Ruach HaKadosh, he goes, no, I don't have Ruach HaKadosh. You know how I knew that it bothered him? Because the Torah is so careful. It's very interesting you saw it. He says the Torah is so careful, but it knows does. It says it so many times. And it warns us so many times. So the Torah is telling us a very important message that when you have a doubt as to whether a person feels bad or not, he does. And you have to assume, you say a joke, right? And a person, uh, you know, shorty, tall, he's a real tall guy, you know. Uh, whatever it is, you say, you have to assume that the person felt bad, and you have to ask Mechili, because that's I know. You, 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 you did it, Davera, I know. So he says, that's I know it. It's not Ruach HaKadosh. He says, Rebbe, you're right. You're right. Your Torah is right. 
you're, what you're learning is right, because I saw how happy he was, he thanked me, it was like, you know, he relaxed, he was tense, he was uh, all, all bent out of shape, because he wasn't called his name. Yeah, but people get crazy for crazy things, and the bottom line is, is that um, we have to be very, very careful. Even he said another story that, that uh, just to tell, end off with this, he says that his daughter, there was a married guy and his married daughter, and I'm not like this, so there's no message to my kids. <laughs> the daughter, the daughter, he says, he says, my daughter, friend told him, a daughter calls up my parents, both, both sides, my parents and my wife's parents, every Arab Shabbos, to say good Shabbos, and, and he doesn't, my daughter doesn't call me. I'm very close to my daughter, but I'm very hurt. So Rabbi, uh, Rabbi Avram said, why don't I tell your daughter? I know your daughter. Tell her. She says, no, 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 don't tell her. I don't want her to call because you told her to call like an obligation. I want her to feel like she called. So it's, it's very, very interesting that a lot of people would feel, I, I would feel like, oh, I'm so happy you called my parents. I'd rather you call my parents than me. You know, I'm, uh, it's fine. It's okay. But people do get hurt and do get, do get upset and therefore we have to be extra extra careful not to do that, you have to call our parents Shabbos, and to um, be careful not only of what you shouldn't say but also of what we should say, we should be zeichet to all the brachas thanks so much for coming and listening, we'll see you in Mitzvah Shem next week thanks for the sponsor stay from Arif guys we have 10 uh, we need 10 people